All right, I'm going to get into the Word of God here today. I've got a message, and I have felt compelled. I really try to, believe it or not, I want you to know, I try to pray and seek the Lord every time we gather together that there's a Word from God that feeds His people. And I was, I've been thinking as we're closing out this year, this, this message I wanted to bring. Some of you that are, are uh, I was going to say old-timers, but some of you that have been around here a while, you may have heard this message preached. I have preached it before, and I'm going to preach it again, maybe a little bit different. Uh, it's a theme, I believe, that is, is uh, important. So I have, for your viewing pleasure, a brown paper bag. Does anybody know what bag this is? No. <laughs> Do I have an addiction? <laughs> I have issues. I have Culver's issues. No, this is uh, McDonald's. What a boring bag. You'd think they could do better than that. That is a McDonald's bag. And within this bag, I have a very special treat. They are kind of soggy. You're not supposed to be able to tell that because you can't. When we bought, we couldn't get in there this morning to buy them because they have a breakfast menu, and I don't think you can buy fries. So these were purchased yesterday. <laughs> so I don't know. They, they will work, though, I think. So... I have in my hands a specimen. Oh, so good. The greatest fries that have ever been created in the history of the world. They will kill you young, but you will die enjoying life. I have in my specimen a wonderful pack of McDonald's French fries. And I am going to try to act out a scene that is a familiar scene that has happened probably potentially to you, especially if you're a parent and it's been played out thousands of times since McDonald's has created French fries. And that is, it is a Saturday morning and a father wants to be a good dad. And it's a Saturday and he makes up his mind that he wants to spend some connection time with one of his beloved children. And he takes his his daughter, and he gets in the car with her, and they have a little daddy-daughter date, and he takes her to McDonald's. He orders her a happy meal. He orders his meal, and they sit down across the table from each other, and she has her happy meal, and they begin to eat and converse and have a wonderful time together on a Saturday enjoying that quality family time. In about the middle of the meal, he reaches over across the table and he grabs one of her french fries, to which she responds, and she cries out at the top of her voice, Dad, that's my french fry. I can't do it in a high-pitched voice. I'm trying. Dad, that's, those are my fries. To which the dad says, well, come on, daughter. Just let, I, all, all I want is just a fry. And she says, those are my fries. Those are my fries. And so I would like to preach to you this Sunday morning on a powerful question. And that question is, who owns your French fries? Uh, it's powerful. I want this to really sink in because it is a deep philosophical inquiry. It is a deep theological inquiry, 
and it is a deep thing to consider. Are you ready? Who owns your French fries? Go ahead and look at your neighbor and ask them that question. Who owns your French fries? Look at the other person next to you and ask them the question. Who owns your French fries? I want the congregation to ask me. Who owns your French Thank you so much for asking that question. Because I'm going to try to answer that question this morning. Are you ready? Psalm 24 and 1. The Bible says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. The earth is the Lord's. The river beds, the mountain ranges, the twinkling stars, the swaying aspens, the singing bluebird, the giant squids in the inky deep ocean, the cool wind, the secret deposits of raven black oil, the unrefined purple amethyst, the sand, the sea, the green valleys and the blue skies, the Antarctic, the Sahara Desert, the butterfly, the June bug, the beetle, the swan, the heron, the monster 12-point buck some of you guys were hoping that you were going to shoot, fajitas and frioles. I want you to know this morning that he owns it all. The God that we serve, the Bible says that the earth is the Lord's. He is the uncontested owner of all things. Everything belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to God. He is a rich God. He is not a God whose bank is broken today. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. He's not desperate this morning. He's not a mooch. He's not a God that is scrounging this morning. He is, he is Almighty God. As a matter of fact, I think it's good for all of us now and then to remember that God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. He's not some, you know, uh, just, just sick person that he says, oh, oh, oh. I, I but the good news is he does want us, thank God. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. Amen, amen. The Bible also says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world. And notice what it says, and they that dwell therein, they that dwell on the earth. God not only owns the earth, but he owns the people on the earth. You know what that means? That means that black lives matter. Oh, they do. And that's not a political, political statement. But let me tell you what, white lives matter too. Let me say this also, Hispanic lives matter to God. Every nationality, every personality, everyone on the face of the earth, God said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. God not only owns the earth, but he owns all the people on the earth. He owns everything everywhere. It all belongs to God. The Almighty God owns it all. He owns everything. But I tell you the good news for all of us here today that He does dispense out of His abundance. God takes care of us. And He's a good God that takes care of us. He clothes the lily of the valleys. 
Every single sparrow he feeds. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God is the owner of the world and all that's in it. And what that means is that when I sit down to my breakfast table in the morning, that the food that I have comes from the hand of a wonderful and benevolent God. Amen. I'm eating God's groceries. I'm breathing God's oxygen. I'm walking on God's ground. I'm swimming in God's ocean. When you fish, you're fishing in God's river because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Listen very closely. We are tenants, but he is the landlord. The landlord. You know, there's a lot of people that are, and, and, and duly so, I think it's wisdom. There's a lot of people that are spending their lives, they're trying to save, and they're trying to make good financial decisions, and there are people that are trying to pay off this and pay off their house. And, but can I tell you, when, when, when you work at that, and God blesses you, and pay off your house, when you pay off your house, I hate to tell you this, uh, but you don't own the house when you pay off the house, uh, because we are tenants, and He is the landlord. <laughs> You may pay off your house. I hate to say this, but it's the truth. We just went through a prophecy series in our, in our midweek life groups in the prophecy series. If you studied that, let me tell you what it tells all of us. Uh, that there's going to come a tribulation upon this earth. And Lord willing, you're going to be gone before the tribulation comes. <laughs> we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. That means uh, that, that, that God is going to take the church out before the tribulation comes. But when the tribulation comes and the judgment of God comes upon this earth, we got all kinds of wackos that are trying to save the earth. They're wackos. They're nut jobs. I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm a conservationist at heart. I mean, I love, I love nature. I love the outdoors. I mean, I really do. The outdoors and nature is a beautiful thing. Every once in a while, if nobody's looking, I will hug a tree. Tree hugger. I, I just I love nature and all that. But let me tell you something. There is no green deal that's big enough that's going to stop the judgment of God because people are trying to save the planet. Mother Earth. They worship it as if it is God. But the book of Revelation shows us that there's going to come a time that the, the heavens are going to roll up like a scroll. They're going to melt with fervent heat. I don't know if that means nuclear war or what it means, but there's going to come a time that judgment comes upon this world. And you may have paid your house off, but when a third of the world dies and another quarter of the world dies, and you talk about plagues, coronavirus is nothing compared to the plagues that are going to come on the face of the earth. And when all that comes, I may have paid off my house, but you know what? The worms are going to destroy it, or a storm is going to destroy it, and in the end... The fire is going to destroy it. Do you know why? Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to God anyhow. And any time that he chooses, he can pull in his mortgage and say, don't you forget, people, God says this earth belongs unto me. So back to my original question. Who owns your French fries? He is a rich God. He is a bountiful God. The good news, he owns the French fries, but he's not a cheapskate. 
He owns McDonald's. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills which make the deadly burgers that we eat at McDonald's. He owns the potatoes in the field that become the French fries that we eat. He owns the potatoes. He owns the grease that they put in the fry. I don't know how that works. I, I, don't, I don't know about that, but I do know that he, he owns the French fries. This almighty God that we serve, though, is so good that he is a giving God. Can you imagine that? He shares his fries. He is benevolent and allows us to enjoy the good things of life, and we thank God for that. 1 Timothy 6 and 17 says it like this, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Let's not put all of our trust in our money and our things and our possessions and our stuff. We don't trust in those things, amen? But he said we trust in the living God. That's where we put our trust. We don't put our trust in the gifts. We put our trust in the giver of the gifts. We don't focus all our attention on what we receive, but we put our attention on the one that is benevolent and kind and good that does give us. Notice what it says. I like how it says it. You might want to underline this in your Bible. We trust in the living God, comma, notice, who gives, giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That's awesome. We have a God that owns everything on the earth, and yet he loves us enough that he says, guess what? I want to bless you. Guess what? I want to bring this into your life. I want to bring things into your life that you can enjoy. You know what that means? That everything that I have in my life that is good has come from the hand of a good God that has chosen to bless me. And I credit him for being the God that has blessed me with everything that I have. All the good things that come in my life, they're not because of what I've done. They're because of what he's done. They're not what I have provided. Look at me and look at what I have done. Like Job said in the Old Testament, the man that kisses his hands. What does he mean by that? The person that kisses his hands and says, look what I have done. Like King Nebuchadnezzar that stood on the wall and looked at the great big kingdom and said, look at the kingdoms which I have built and look at what I have made and look at what I have created. No, the child of God recognizes it's not what I have created, but it's what a good God has chosen to bless me with. And everything that I have in life has come at the hands of a good God that is chosen to bless me. He's chosen to do that because he is a good God. It says he gives us richly all things to enjoy. Think of this. The opposite of richly would be stingy. Stingy. Imagine if God was stingy. Definition of stingy is giving or spending reluctantly. Another definition says parsimonious. You can look that one up. If you're a word nerd, parsimonious, miserly, mean, stingy. The most general of these terms meaning unwilling to share, give, or spend possessions of money. Children who are stingy with their toys, a stingy, grasping skin flint. Parsimonious describes an extreme stinginess arising from unusual or excessive frugality. A sternly parsimonious, penny-pinching existence. Means suggest a small-minded, ignoble, petty stinginess leading to miserable, cheerless living. Could you imagine if God wasn't giving, but if God was stingy? 
Can you imagine a stingy God, a petty God? You know, all of us, we live under so much blessing that we expect God to be giving, and we're thankful that he is. We expect God to be generous, and we're thankful that he is. We expect God to be merciful, and we thank God that he is. But imagine if that was not his nature. Imagine if God was not a good God, but imagine if he was a stingy God. Imagine if God woke up one day and he said, you know what, I'm having kind of a bad day and I've just got kind of a bad attitude and uh, I'm just not going to cause the sunshine for the next year. Imagine if God just said, well, you know what, I'm just, we're not going to give them groceries for the next month. What if God just said, well, the happiness that you've been enjoying for the past three years, I'm just going to take all that happiness from you. What if God just, that job that we've been blessed with, God just arbitrarily just said, I'm going to, I'm going to take that job from these people. What if, what if God just said, you know what, I'm going to cut off their oxygen supply for about five minutes until they turn purple, just because I want to. What if God said you get no heat and you get no fun? What if God just turned off the lights on us? He said, man, alive, the Lord could do that. Well, he did that in the Old Testament. He did that to Egypt. The Bible says that he turned the lights out and they were in a darkness that could be felt. But oh, hallelujah, in Goshen land, the land of the people of God, there wasn't darkness, there was light. What if God was stingy? What if God was a skin flint? But thank the Lord today, that's not the kind of God that we serve. Thankfully, he's a good God. Thankfully, he's a giving God. As a matter of fact, it's one of his characteristics. It means that he is a generous God. Think about it. He gave Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden. He gave the people Moses. He gave his people manna from heaven, and he fed them miraculously. He gave them the tabernacle. He gave them the Ark of the Covenant. He gave them the priesthood. He gave them blood sacrifice. He gave them the Red Sea deliverance. And if we look around, we see that God gives over and over again. He gives us the beauty of the belly laugh of a child. The bright sunshine with its vitamin D that picks us up and feeds us the nutrients that we need. He gives us the joy of friends. He gives us the beauty of family. He gives us the wonder and the peace of sweet sleep. I wonder if we were all evaluate on this Sunday morning just how many times in this week, let's, let's make it even more pertinent and powerful, I wonder how many times in this day that God has brought things into our life uh, to bless us uh, and to be generous uh, and to be good to us. Uh, we thank God today uh, that everything we have in our lives uh, comes from the hand uh, of a good God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I tell you what God gives us. God gives us. He gives us health. Where's Dave Hall? Did he step out for a minute? Dave Hall. Dave Hall was super, super sick. And Dave Hall is doing so much better. And I don't know if it was a Facebook post. He may have texted me this. I don't remember. One of those two sources. And he, he just, I tell you what he said. He said, man, I thank God for health. And you know what? You never know it until you've been really, really sick. I remember being about mid-30s, and you know what? When you're young, you feel like you're invincible. You feel like you're Superman. 
You can ford any river and leap over any building until you get really sick for the first time in your life. I remember being that way mid-30s, being super sick, and I remember, you know, almost that feeling like, man, am I even going to make it through this? And all of a sudden, you make it through that sickness, and when you make it through the sickness, there's something inside that you have a brand new appreciation for what it means to be healthy. Thank God that God's given us health. Thank God that he's taken care of our lives. Thank God that he's given us another day. Thank God he's given us a sound mind. If you've ever been crazy, you know what it means to have a sound mind. I say that kind of funny, but you ever dealt with out-of-control anxiety in your life, felt like you couldn't make it through the day? You ever feel like you couldn't make it through the week? You actually wondered, am I going to survive this? Am I going to make my way through this? And yet we think about it, and God has given us a sound mind. He's given us the ability to lay our head on our pillow at night and have sweet sleep. We look around our blessed, bountiful families. I think every once in a while we ought to stop long enough to look at our precious children, to look at our spouse and say, thank God the Lord has blessed me with a good family. Thank God I've got a good family. Oh, hallelujah. I think every once in a while we ought to stop in church long enough to swivel our head and look around and say, thank God I've got a family of God. Thank God I've got the church of the living God. God has blessed me with a great church. God has taken care of me. He's blessed me. He's given so much in my life. I go home, and I know contrary to what some of our kids may say, especially if they are teenagers, they will say something like this. They will open the refrigerator, and they will say, there's nothing to eat. There's nothing to eat. <laughs> they open the cupboards. There's nothing to eat. Let me translate that for you. What that means is there's nothing that I like in this refrigerator to eat. But if you hadn't, if you'd been on a 14-day fast, if you'd been on 21 days, you hadn't had any food, you'd open up that refrigerator and you'd say, thank God for all the food I have to eat. See, it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of perspective. I don't have anything. Oh, I got tons of stuff to eat. Nothing else, that baking soda that's over in the corner. Maybe you mix it with water and do something with it. What are you saying? I'm saying our lives are blessed because we've got a generous God that is taking care of us in so many ways. And so my question today is who owns your French fries? Who owns your French fries? He doesn't just give us all of these things of life to enjoy beyond all of these things. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And allow me to theologically translate that for you. It doesn't mean God the Father sent God the Son to go get bumped off. It doesn't mean I'm Daddy, I love the people so much that I'll send Caleb and I'll, I'll have Caleb killed for all of you. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus said, he that hath seen me has seen the Father. Timothy 3 and 16 says that God, invisible, immaterial, almighty, omniscient, all-knowing, all-seeing, that that God was manifest in the flesh. 
That almighty God came to the earth, and that God, as much of God as could die, died on the cross of Calvary. God said, I love you so much. I'll give you family. I'll give you food. I'll give you sunshine. I'll give you peace. And more than all those things, God said, I'll give you myself. I'll give you myself. I'll be willing to hang upon a cross. I'll be willing to allow liquid love to flow out of my veins. I'll allow my blood the blood of the humanity and flesh of God to hit the earth so that he could free mankind from the bondage of sin. And God gave his blood and he gave his life. When he said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he cried out his last words. It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. He gave us his life so that we could have eternal life. He sacrificed his blood and he took our sins. He didn't have any of his own so that he could give us his righteousness. What are you preaching today, Pastor? I'm saying we've got a giving God. We've got a good God. We've got a wonderful God who has given and given and given and given and blessed and blessed. And everywhere we look, our lives are overran with blessing. He's given us the Word of God. He's given us the Spirit of God. As if Calvary wasn't enough. He said, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he didn't just give his blood. He said, if you go to that upper room, he said, I'll fill you with my Spirit. He didn't just give us his blood. He gave us the Holy Ghost. He gave us the Holy Spirit in our lives to live victorious lives. He gave us grace. When we don't have the desire, we say, man, I don't, I don't even know if I want to live for God. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we start saying, hey, I want to live for God. Where'd that come from? You didn't generate that. God's a giving God. And he said, I'm going to give them grace. He said, I'm going to put desire in their lives. Uh, why? Because he's a good, good God, and he's a giving God. Amen. That's why some of these songs, we need to take our time a little bit and sing them and think about them. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, I think about that, and I remember and recollect all over again that he is a good God. And he has blessed my life. Back to my original question. So who owns your french fries? Who owns your french fries? Acts 17 and 25 says he's not worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. He's not desperate. But the Bible says he giveth to all life and breath and all things. We worship God because he has given us life. That's why we worship God. Corinthians 15, 57 says, He giveth us the victory. James 4 and 6 says, He giveth grace. Timothy 6, 17 says, He giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Corinthians 3 and 7 says that God giveth the increase. 2 Corinthians 3 and 6 says, The Spirit giveth life. John 10 and 11, Jesus, finally He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth His life for the sheep, God gave and gave and gave and gave.
and date. So who owns your French fries? Who owns your French fries? The story that I shared in the beginning, the reason why it's, it's such a simple story, it's the story of the man who brings his daughter to McDonald's and wants to be a blessing to her and buys her a happy meal. And all he simply does is reach across the table and grab one French fry. And she selfishly says, don't touch my French fries. The father recognizes something, and that is that his daughter is selfish. The father knows that he bought the French fries, and they belong to him. The father knows that his daughter belongs to him. The father could get angry and say, I'm never giving you another stinking French fry in your entire life. That's why it's so aggravating. Come on, how many parents know what I'm talking about? It's part of the journey from immaturity to maturity. It's why, it, it's why, thankfully, I had good parents in my life. I had a mother that a few times in my life was like a prophetess, sent by God with a word from God. She looked at me one time as a teenager. You know what she did? And this is why, parents, we need to parent our children. We need to parent our children. We need to teach our children because if we don't teach them, how are they going to learn? My mother taught me. Let me tell you what she taught me. One day she looked at me. And she pointed her bony finger at me, and she said, you know what your problem is? You know what your problem is? You're a spoiled brat. You know, we live in a generation today, you can't hurt anybody's feelings. I needed my feelings hurt because I was a spoiled brat. And it cut me down to size, and I felt like about this big when I was done, and it kind of reset me, and, I, and, and, and it made me realize, yes, I am. Man, I've got, I've got good parents. i got a thing going, good thing going. That's why a good father wants his children to be appreciative and grateful. You know what worship is all about, folks? Worship, and here's the thing. We do this, we do this every day of our life, and we do this every Sunday when we get, get together. If we're not careful, we'll just sit there and we'll fold our arms and we'll, you know, let, we'll let the praise team just carry the whole service and we can evaluate and stick our finger in the air and say, well, I'm going to... You know, I think that we'll give them about a five for today. It was okay. Service is kind of ho-hum. Let me tell you what, you what you get out of service is what you put into service. I don't know why I'm preaching this way. I just feel like it. I think it's a good word from the I get out of it what I put into it. It's, it's worship is, 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 I mean, thank God this, this, this team is here every week and they practice and all that. But let me tell you what worship is about. Not the groove of the tune or how well the team is. It's about the congregation recognizing deeply in my heart that if we never had another song that was played to us or for us, uh, if we never had that, what we have here that we ought to thank God for, I don't have to have all of that. All I've got to do is have an opportunity to tell the Lord that he's been good to me and I owe him my life and I owe him my everything, and I worship him because if it wasn't for him, I would be nothing. I would have nothing. There would be nothing in my life, and I recognize the goodness of God in my life, and I just want him to know, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for being good to me. Thank you for all the little blessings that you bring into my life, undeserving though I am. I thank you, Lord, that you've been a good God to me. That's why worship is so very, very important. Worship is so important. 
It's so important. It's our ability to give back to the God that has given to us. It's interesting when the father reached across the table and he just grabbed, all, I mean, he didn't grab the whole thing of French fries. He said, give me that whole pack of French fries. He just, he, just, he just grabbed one French fry. He just wanted to know, is my daughter sharing? God has given us life. When he asked for our time, people figuratively slap his hands and say, keep your hands off my time. God has given us talents. When he asked for us to get involved and give our talent, people figuratively slap his hand and say, keep your hands off my talents. God reaches across the table and says, give me some of your money. He, he doesn't ask for all of it. He reaches across the table and all he asks for is a tithe. People figuratively slap his hand and say, keep your hands off my money. It's mine. It's mine. That's mine. I earned that. People forget where their fries came from. The car that I drive, the Lord bless me with. The home that I live in, God bless me with. The groceries in my cupboard, God's bless me with. The intelligence in my mind that give me the capacity to work, they come from the Lord. The health that's in my body that allows me to work, amen, a 40-hour-a-week job comes from the Lord. My marriage, thank God, comes from the Lord. The children that are in my life, they come from God. Everything in my life, the freedom that I have, it comes from the hand of a good and a wonderful God. Hey Amen. Who owns your French fries? Oh, praise the Lord. He owns my French fries. I can't wait January. Oh, we need like a, we need a drum roll. I can't wait. We're going into a series in January. That series is going to be out of the book of Malachi. You're going to want to read through the book of Malachi. It's easy because it's four chapters. And that's why I like it. I'm a simple guy. Simple goal, four chapters. Read through it. And we're going to talk about Malachi because Malachi had some things to say. There's four primary things he had to say. And basically, when Malachi brought the prophetic word to the people and they didn't listen to the prophetic word. He kept bringing it. He said, there's four principles I want you to get in your life. They're vitally important principles. you got to get this in their life. And when the people stopped listening, God stopped talking. We read our Bible, we go, Malachi to Matthew. Oh, that must be five minutes. Malachi to Matthew is hundreds of years. You know why? Because God said, I'm talking to my people, and they're not listening. And if they don't listen then I'm going to go silent. You could hear a pin drop prophetically. God said, I'm not talking anymore. There were things that God talked about in the book of Malachi. One of the things that he talked about in the book of Malachi, the very first thing that he talked about was worship. I know we talk about this a lot, and worship is something we do Monday through Saturday, and it is also something we do on a Sunday. We worship with reckless abandon. We worship with, with, with praise, and we, we put our heart into it, and we put our energy into it. You know why? Because God cares about our worship. He wants to know, do we care about Him? So who owns your French fries? Who owns your French fries? The unique thing is, God doesn't reach across the table and take all of our stuff. He doesn't say, I'm going I'm to take everything from you. All he wants is just a portion of it. He wants us to manage 
what He has given us for His glory. And do you know the only way we can do that is by recognizing, first of all, that it comes from Him. Holy Ghost, let revelation sink into our spirit right now. Everything in our life, if we believe that good, beautiful, black, leather-covered Bible, everything belongs to God, and He owns everything. 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 God owns everything. The good news, then, everything that I have in my life has come from the hand of a good God. I recognize everything I I have comes from God. He wants me to manage what I have in my life. Oh, boy, I don't know why I feel inspiration right now like this. I believe personally that's why we should take care of the things that God has given to us. (laughs) How practical to be I become here this morning. (laughs) I think our homes should be clean. I think our cars should get oil changes at regular intervals. It almost like makes me nervous and drives me nuts if things are like, un, you know, you have a boat that's left outside and just left outside to rust. Man, we should cover that boat up because everything that, that is in our lives has been given us by God and we are nothing but stewards of it. And we ought to take the best care of it that we possibly can. Amen? We ought to take care of our relationships. We ought to take care of our children. We ought to take care of our family. We ought to take care of the possessions that we have. We ought to brush our teeth. We don't want them falling out. I don't know if that's a good witness because we haven't brushed our teeth. We ought to wear deodorant. We ought to smell good, look good. Wow, I need to spend a little time there. It's super quiet. We ought to smell and look good. Why? We're ambassadors for Christ. We're representing something. You know who we're representing? We're representing Jesus. Everywhere we go, we're representatives of God. And all he wants us to do is manage. Who owns your french fries? God owns my french fries. And I'm going to take care of the french fries God has given me. I'm going to eat them up. And he also wants to give a portion back of what he has given us to him. Why? Does God need it? Is God broke? No. What God has given us, he wants to give back to him. He wants to give us, us to give a part of that back to him. He's given us 168 hours of every single week. The beautiful thing is, I can give some of that time. He doesn't say every 168 hours. He, but we give that time to him. That's why we go to church. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm preaching to the choir. And I'm also preaching online to people that aren't in church. Uh, and if you could be in church and you're not in church, uh, shame on you. Uh, oh, praise the Lord. If you're just in your pajamas because you're too lazy to get up and come to church, oh, shame on you. Why? Because we're going to give God our best. It's not a sacrifice to come to church. It's a blessing to come to church i tell you how we taught our kids. We taught our kids on Saturday night when they were little babies. We'd give them a bath on Saturday night. We didn't say, oh, tomorrow's church. You got to go to church tomorrow. You know what we'd say? Tomorrow, you get to go to church. 
You get to go to church tomorrow. You get to go to church. It's the best day of the week. It's the best two hours of your week. The best two hours of your week is this two hours we get to spend with God's people, praising the Lord, hearing the preached word of God, going into an altar, and feeling the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, the best 15 minutes of your week is the altar time when you got a chance that you can connect in the Holy Ghost with God and pray back through and get the well flowing all over again. That's good preaching, Rev. Thank you. Amen. When you come in them altars and you get a touch from God, it is the best hours of the week. And out of the 168 hours, that's why all of you, you made a good choice to say, I, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. I was glad. I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. It ain't here yet, but I'm getting us ready. Sunday morning, Sunday night. That's what saints do. Sunday morning, Sunday night. That's what saints do. They go to church. Woo! I'm enjoying myself if you're not. This is so much fun. Oh, hallelujah. Life group, man, it's Wednesday night. I get to go to life group. If you're not in a life group, you got to get in a life group because we give our time to God. I've heard people say, well, I don't get a lot out of life group. I feel a spirit of sarcasm. I'm trying so hard right now. <laughs> you know, sometimes there are things that we participate in. They're not for us. Really? I went to youth service, and I didn't get anything out of youth service. I didn't get anything out of youth service. We have this wonderful thing. Let me tell you what it's called. It's called a youth group. It's a group. And if everybody doesn't show up, we don't have a group. <laughs> I feel divinely inspired this morning. We don't have a group. It's like, oh, yeah, I got a sleepover. It's a Friday night. I got a sleepover. I, I got a sleepover. Or, oh, oh, I got a game. Or I got a um, house of God or sleepover. Tough choice. Oh, I'm going to pastor this morning, and God is going to help me. You know why? I get to go to the house of God. I get to allow my children to be a part of a great youth group. Well, they didn't get anything out of it. Maybe God wanted them to go to give something to it to make the group a better group so that we can have a great youth group. If everybody contributes, we got a great youth group. I'm going to leave that one alone. I'm just going to leave it right there. What are you saying? God's given us time. God has given us a heart. He's given us energy. That's why we worship, because we got the physical capacity. There are people that would trade places with you in, in a flash of a dash right now if they could have your energy and they could have your health. If they had your health, they'd probably be running around the building this Sunday morning if they had your health. They don't have your health. They wish they had your health so they could use that health to give the best to God. Amen. To dance like David danced, maybe just one. One more time in the presence of God. If I had the health to do it. If I had the strength to do it. But oh God's given it to me so that I can worship Him. He's given me life. He's given me my family. He's given me money. To bless the kingdom of God. 
I like the bumper sticker. It says this, tithe if you love Jesus, any fool can honk. Honk if you love Jesus. That didn't cost me nothing. What a cheap offering. I'll drop, I'll drop a dollar in the offering this Sunday. Told you I feel a spirit of sarcasm. What if we just willingly said, Lord, this is your fry. Willingly, here's your fry, Lord. You want a fry? When you reach across the table for a fry, we just say, here you go, Lord. Thank you so much for giving me the whole thing, whole thing. And God, I know you don't need these fries because you own, you own the potatoes that made the fries. You don't need them. What you really want, Lord, is to know that my heart is in this thing. What you really want to know, Lord, is that, is that you have me. And God gives us the beautiful privilege, the beautiful honor, the wonderful test. See if it's really true. Is it really true? Do I really love Jesus? God says, here's all the fries. And I could willingly say, Lord, here's my fry. Nothing less than my best for him who hung on Calvary for me. Jesus saved me. I want to give my life back to him. What does that mean? That means my heart. I was thinking about it, and I mentioned it to the, to the 9 o'clock group. I mean, you, you may not realize this, but this whole team, this whole team that's here, I thank God for them. They do a wonderful job, don't they? Our worship team, our system pastor is here. I'm here. We got the whole team. We're here. We got, many times we have ushers that are here. And what you may not realize is this is our second time, meaning we had a whole other worship set. I've already preached this message once. I hope it's better than the first time. I don't know. That's all. The jury's always out on that. Sometimes I'm like, man, the 9 o'clock was better, <laughs> right? So, you're like, well, I don't know. But what are, you, what are you saying? What I'm saying is I'm standing back here during worship, and I just realize how easy it is. Come on, it's human nature. I'm standing back here during worship, and I'm like, i got to do this again. i got to do this again. And it's easy to just go through the motions. If we're not careful, we just go through the motions. We check the box. We check the box. Then the church. Check the box, bend the church, clap my hands, sang. When I'm checking myself and just saying, oh, God, everything I have in my life, Lord, I don't want to forget. I want to give you genuine, genuine praise. I want to give you from my heart. I'm not just, I'm not just grooving with the tune. Right, not just lip service, but oh, God. You own my French fries, and I want to give you my heart. Jesus, help us. Talking about radical, and I've said it, I'll just say it again, radical abandoned worship and prayer. What does that mean? That means engaged. That means connected. That means sacrificial. That means from my heart. That means I'm, I'm putting myself into it. And I'm the only one that can do that. I'm the only one that can do that. And sometimes one of the greatest blessings we have, it's the blessing of faithfulness, but I don't want it just to be a grind. You know, give me a J, everybody. Give me an E. Give me an S. Give me a U. You know, cheerlead. 
No, what I'm saying is he owns my French fries. And man, I want to give God my heart, and I want to give God heartfelt prayer. I want to give him heartfelt worship. Why are you saying this, Pastor? Because everything flows out of that from the heart, genuine, bona fide, heartfelt prayer and heartfelt worship to God. Do you know why? He owns my French fries. And I want to give back to him what he deserves. I give God my time, one of the most valuable commodities that I have, my time. Time is life. As a matter of fact, some people think money is the greatest commodity. It's really not because, you know, so you, can, you, can, you can get money, but you can't get back time. So it's time. It's giving our time to God. It's spending time. We spend it. It's like a valuable commodity. Lord, I, you've given me 168 hours in the week, Lord. I can give you devotion time. Amen, church? That means every day time in the Word of God and time for prayer. Time for prayer and time for the Word of God. Well, man, I don't have time for that. If we're courageous enough, I would challenge us, and I've done it, and there have been times I've been ashamed. Challenge you to look, and you can do it. There are apps on your phone. It'll tell you how many hours of media time were there. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here to help you to analyze and assess. We don't have time, but and I'm not saying 10 hours every day, but man, the good God that's blessed us with everything, you know what I can do? I can set aside some time and say, Lord, this is going to be my prayer time. This is going to be my time in the Word of God. Amen. Come on, somebody. He's given us the French fries. I'm going to give him the time. God's, I, I look across this church. This church is filled with gifts. God has put invested gifts into so many lives. He's given you giftings. He's given all of us giftings. That's the fries. And you know what? We can give those talents back to God. What am I giving to God? What ministry am I involved in? How can I involve myself and take the gifts that God has given me? Because he owns the French fries. And how can I give them back? How can I give my gifts back to God? I mean, there's Sunday school teachers in this auditorium. There, there, there are evangelism people in this auditorium. I know we're not doing door-to-door and all that, but it's going to open up soon enough. There's bus drivers in this auditorium. Amen. There are Saturday outreach people in this auditorium. There are future leaders in this auditorium. There are mighty prayer warriors in this auditorium. Come on, somebody. If I recognize that the fries belong to God and I'm going to give those fries... Back to God. We give our money to God. Oh, yes, we do. You live for God, you're going to give your money to the Lord. You know the amazing thing about God? He doesn't hold anybody hostage. He doesn't pull out a pistol, put it to your head, and say, you're going to or else. It's voluntary. It's from our heart. But I will tell you this. You can't get away from it in the Bible. The very last chapter, when you get into chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Malachi, that's what I'm excited about the series. There are four different things. One of the things he talked about, people say, oh, you know, that's a church thing. Oh, yeah, that's blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. It's called the Bible. He said, I want you to return unto me. They said, wherein shall we return? He said, you have robbed me in your tithes and in your offerings. He said, return unto me. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. They didn't listen. And you know what God did? God stopped talking. He said, bring you all the tithes in the storehouse. Let me tell you something about God. God, God doesn't say, I, I, I'm going to take all of it. 
Oh, he said in this particular instance, he said, the tithe. You know what the tithe is? It's 10%. It's 10%. I can tell you this. I've tithed since I was about 15 years old. I don't know how. I don't even remember. I don't remember a pastor preaching about it, teaching about it. I just remember as a young person, this is something I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do. I can remember the one time, 15 years old. The only time that I can particularly at all recollect this happening. But I remember I had set aside the tithe, and I was going to the mall. There was something that I wanted to buy, and I took that tithe money, and I paid it for what I wanted to buy at the mall. And I remember feeling so, and I was going to pay it back, but I remember feeling so guilty about it because that, that, was, that was God's. That was God's money. You know why? God's not going to go broke if I don't pay my tithes. Oh, no, you're $32. I'm broke now. What am I going to do? God doesn't do that. You know what, though? God wants us to affirm and recognize that everything we have in our life comes from him. And I'll tell you what I've found. This is uh, how many years? I'll do the math on it. Over three decades, I can tell you this. In, in, in giving to God what is his, when I give my time to God, it's like I have enough time to get everything done that needs to be done. As a matter of fact, it goes better. When I'm praying and I'm in the Word and I give God that time, my day goes better. Everything goes better. I'm more productive. I'm just an all-around better person because I'm not a good person without Jesus. So when I give him my time, when I give him prayer, when, when I give him my family and I dedicate my family to God. I got a wonderful family. I just got to testify. Let me tell you, I have a wonderful family. I'm very clear, and I know why I have a wonderful family. I have a wonderful family because Jesus Christ Jesus Christ, God Almighty, has blessed them. That's the only reason. They'd be shipwrecked. They'd be a mess. And some of them were until the mercy of God rescued them. And they were rescued, not because God had to do it, but because in his mercy he did it. And I've got a good family because God gave me a good family. Not because I deserve it, but because God's been faithful. I can tell you the other thing I've learned. I've learned that over decades of tithing, you know what's amazing? There were years when we had more month than money, and it didn't seem possible. But, but that's, I mean, that's not an option even. The, the tithe belongs to the Lord. We never stopped tithing when things got tight. People say, well, man, if I were to tithe, I don't even know why I'm preaching about tithes. I didn't do this in the 9 o'clock. <laughs> I was going to save this for Malachi. I'll tell you what I learned, though, what I learned over decades of serving God in times when we had more month than money and we had the bills and it was just not an option. We give to God what is God's, and then I would come to the house of God and I would write our budget on a piece of paper and I'd put it on the altar and I'd say, God, we need this much money because we're not making it right now. And do you know without fail every time God would bring in that amount of money to take care of our bills? And we are blessed abundantly right now. Amen. And we're blessed abundantly because the good Lord has taken care of us. Because when he asked for his fries, I didn't slap his hand and say, you ain't getting my fries. It's the blessing of God. Who owns your French fries? Musicians, you can come. I'm wrapping up. Why does God want my French fry? You think he needs the French fry? You think the daddy's like not going to survive without the French fry? Of course not. What do we call a child that would be unwilling to give a single fry to their daddy? We'd call them spoiled, wouldn't we? And we've all been there, but you know what? God in his goodness 
good parental involvement teaches us, and God's a good parent. He's a good father. He teaches us. He teaches us. We have good people. I had a good parent that taught me. My child says, don't you touch my french fry. Oh, you think bought you them french fries, <laughs> little Lulu? I bought you those french fries, and I can take all those french fries back if I choose. But I love you. And I want you to learn, little Lulu, how to be a giver. You know why? Because that's why I spent the first half hour of this message talking about how God is a giving God. He's a giving God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's all His. God's a giving God. He gives and gives and gives and gives and gives and gives and gives. I said all that to say that when I get the Holy Spirit in my life, the Holy Ghost, one of the proofs of my salvation, one of the proofs of my salvation is the investment of the nature of God into my life. And that's a really big deal that you might want to write a note on that. The Holy Ghost is the nature of God. The nature of God. When I get the Holy Ghost, I not only get the goosebumps and the feel goods and the, and the surge and the rush and all that. The Holy Ghost is way more than all that. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is the investment of the nature of Jesus into me. And what that means is, before salvation, Chaz, there's all kinds of stuff that I, 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 would have, I could have never pulled off. Never could have pulled it off in my life. I'd say, I'm going to be clean. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm gonna, I want to be a good person. And guess what? I fell on my face over and over again until I got baptized in Jesus' name, until God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden I'm like, huh, wow, no more dope, no more drinking, no more stupid partying, no more destructive habits. And all of a sudden, then I'm like, hey, man, I want to go to church. I want to go to prayer meeting. I want to be a part of, I want to do something for God. I want to be a preacher. Come on, man, I don't want to be none of that until I got the Holy Ghost. And then when I got the Holy Ghost, it was like, it's the nature of God. It's the nature of Jesus came into my life. And what I'm fundamentally saying is the nature of God, he is a giving God. And when I get his spirit in my life, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I start becoming a giver. I start becoming a giver. They say there are three kinds of givers. There's the flint, there's the sponge, and there's the honeycomb. To get anything out of a flint, you must hammer it. And then when you hammer it, all you get is chips and sparks. They say there are some givers that are like the sponge. To get water out of the sponge, you got to squeeze it. And the more you use pressure, the more you will get. But they say the honeycomb, it just, it, the sweetness that's in the honeycomb just begins to overflow out of it. The flinch you got to hammer, the sponge you got to squeeze, but the honeycomb. It just flows out. Who owns your French fries? John Bunyan said it like this. There was a man, some called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. There was a man, some called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. I don't know about you. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. I want to be like the God that I serve. Thank you, Lord, today. We honor you today, great Savior. Thank you for your love in our life. Thank you for the truth of the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. We look around in our lives, everywhere we look, they are covered with blessing. Everywhere we look, 
Lord, we see your hand that has been so good to us. And Lord, I recognize that. And I also want to do my part, my part, Lord, to give back to you, to give back to a God who has been so good to me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and offer to God. Let's offer to God praise. Can we do that?